Listener Production. In this episode of From Zero, we're stripping things back and launching a brand new format, which we call Startup Insider. I'll be talking to well-known founders and gain their unique insight and perspective by breaking down a hot topic in the world of tech and startups. And this week, I sat down again with the great Adir Schiffman, founder of sports tech business Catapult, talk about the rise and somewhat fall of Atlassian. Adir Schiffman, back on the show, my wife's favorite podcaster. So it's... Uh, not many people know more about e-commerce and tech than Adir, who, who actually writes probably the best, I think the best, or actually probably the second best column in the country. I think Joe Aston writes the best column, I think. I agree. Uh, I think the second. I agree with the Joe Aston, not with the second uh, best. I think we, we haven't seen your column for a while. Is, is it coming back? Or? I, write, I write them periodically. Yeah. You know, it's as you would know, there's a bit of an overhead in writing these things. Right? <laughs> it takes some time. That's true. But you, you, Then I overcraft them. I write them. No, I they're, they're beautiful. I, 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 first thing, on every day, I'm always looking, is Joe, has Joe wrote, written Rewind? Really because if, yeah. if Joe hasn't written it, Agreed. Michael's great and the other guys are great, but, but the, Joe's just one of a kind. And every Tuesday I open the tech section, is there an article from my dear? If not, I sort of just read it later on. Well, uh, the, pre- the pressure just keeps mounting speaking to you. So <laughs> my wife's favourite podcaster, which, you know, that was already not a great start for me, a lot of pressure, <laughs> to the second best column and now to the I open the paper looking for it. Yeah, so. I do. I do. Look at that little, you know, the cat, not the cartoon. What's, what do they call it? I'm going to meditate after this podcast. What's the, um, you know, the Wall Street Journal when they, they did the colouring in of the person? You've got, yes. you know, have you got a colouring in? No. You know, that's, it's, my, it's that's my dream. Oh, you need to get a colouring in. That's my dream. In. But yeah. I, like... I think my insecurities, though, were going to overwhelm me because, you know, they exaggerate all of the facial features. And I'm not <laughs> yeah. sure I'm going to be able to deal with that. That's like a, the biggest impediment to me going into politics is not <laughs> wanting the cartoons. <laughs> I don't do them anymore. Remember when we were I think young they do. Oh, they're just it? a bit less aggressive. Yeah, but aggressive. They're, I think they're still, they're uh-huh. still quite cutting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I, I wouldn't be able to. I would think I'm the same issue. I couldn't look at them. Yeah. And they make stuff up. Like, if you, like, People don't even have big ears or they don't even have whatever. And like, you know, Tony Abbott wore his uh, budgie smugglers once. Yeah. So the rest of his career he was wondering about budgie smugglers in cartoons. Exactly. I can't deal with I that. I like myself in a normal photo, let alone an exaggerator one. We're so. on the same page. Uh, so I'd love to talk. So one of the great Australian, probably the greatest Australian tech story ever has been a company called Atlassian, which everyone knows about. I think everybody, everybody's heard the name and everybody's heard of, of Mike Cannon-Brooks and Scott Farquhar, the two founders, legends of the Australian tech scene. Uh, people tend to know a lot less about the business for a couple of reasons. One, it's actually listed in, on the NASDAQ. Mm. I think New York Stock Exchange in the US is not listed on the ASX, so it gets a lot less notoriety. And the product itself, which we'll talk about in a minute, is is a product for techies. So it's not like Canva, which a lot of people use. And I love Canva, mm-hmm. but it's it's a really niche product. But investors love Atlassian. So, and it is one of the it is one of the great stories of of our generation. So the guy started I think two thousand about, about my age. Starting two thousand three. In fact, I think Mike's like a m- month older than me. Started in two thousand three using credit card. Never raised capital mm. till much much later on. That was really secondary, not primary. So, as in the money went to shareholders, never went into the business. So, they, they, and they had what what we now know as product led growth PLG. So they created this business called Jira. Which is what do you tell? What do you tell us about Jira? Is? No doubt you've used it. I've used it, but I reckon your explanation of it will be better than mine because I use it peripherally. Yeah, as do I. So Jira essentially is so if you've got a, a chief product officer or a chief te- te- technical officer, uh, technology officer, they know exactly what it's for. But basically, it's a, it's a, effectively a, a jobs board for technical work within a business. So let's say I want to create a, um, a rental car feature on on Luxury Escape. So we want to start selling rental cars. Somebody would create a ticket on Jira 
or a job on Jira and there'll be a number of tickets under that. So it's all different stuff around rental cars that all different people need to do. So if you're building a, a technical product, could be 20 people involved in it. And Jira is a great way to centralize what you're doing. If you, you simply put the ticket and once someone's done it, they say, I've done it. And it sort of goes through it. So imagine if like a big board of post-it notes. That's how I think about it. Uh, it replaces a room full of post-it notes yeah. back in the day. Exactly. So room, it's like a digital room full of post-it notes. The beauty of that is there's a couple of be- really beautiful things about that business. One is it's super convenient. People needed this. Tech, technology companies needed this. And they really timed their run. And as we know, so much of tech is timing. And the guys timed it beautifully, executed really well, spent virtually nothing on marketing for the first five years of the business. And were able to grow because they had a really good product that people needed. And it was and one other thing that worked really well is you'd have a, a CTO or a product person in a business that used Jira, that moved to a different business, go, oh, you guys don't have Jira, you gotta get Jira. Mm-hmm. So it would be this free growth For they sure. got from technologists moving around. And it was a good product. And nobody else was really doing it particularly well. So they, they grew the business. I think in two thousand and 13, they got some money off Excel, which is one of the big VCs out of the States. I think a guy called Rich Wong wrote the check. Oh, really? And made, I think he might have made a personal investment in the business at the Uh, same time that turned him into a billionaire subsequently. So Rich did well. So this, this, and this is mostly money going out to shareholders. Yeah, I think it was just a sell down. Yeah. And this is before the IPO. And I think it IPO'd a couple of years later. And I think it's five or six decks since the IPO, but that's after it's dropped off. So we had this great, had this great run. It was, and it was all, I remember speaking to a, a hedge fund guy probably about four years ago and I looked at it last year and I thought, geez, this, this seems really overpriced, but what do I know? The mm. market must be right. This is in the US. US guys are super smart, much smarter than mm. Adam in Australia. I must be wrong. This is when Atlassian was a 10th of the share, current share price. It then went on a run. So Atlassian's run, let's just bring up Atlassian's share price. It went on one of the all time great runs. So if I, if I look at what it was, I think it, it listed at call it 27 bucks a share it eventually hit 430 dollars a share mm. so that's almost 20x uh and i think at that point it was worth this is late last year and i, I wrote an article about it at the time thinking it was i think i called it the most overvalued stock in the world and it, it was a meme stock and, and understandably a hell of a lot of elastian guys weren't too happy with me uh so all the hit, guys with options do you mean well i think it's all guys and some people didn't even work there anymore so yeah. it hit uh $99 billion valuation in Australian dollars, $72 billion US. I think that, that was, that's the fourth most valuable Australian company ever. Do you think when they talk about it, they say it's $100 billion? They just rounded up the well, extra I think you can billion? Round it up. So yeah. It's got 100. I think the only companies more valuable is CBA, BHP, maybe Rio Tinto. And yep. these companies are 100 years old yep. and have these assets and had heaps of capital. So these guys, Mike and Scott, with credit card debt, started a business that grew to be worth $100 billion Australian dollars. Mm-hmm. Well, it was valued at $100 billion, never yep. worth $100 billion. We made $100 billion. But at the time, I noticed there was a bunch of problems with this business. Or not, sorry, not problems. There's a problem with the valuation. Mm. Uh, for a start, the business wasn't making money. So I'm not sure how much you looked at it last mm-hmm. year, but um, the business was losing money. But often what, it, and what the Alaskan, and this is not unique to Alaskan in any way, but they, they'd report... Uh, not necessarily EBITDA, they report, this is our cash flow. We're, uh-huh. we're making 100 million bucks cash flow. As in positive, they're saying, we're, we're making profit, but 100 million bucks is like profit. It's cash flow. Uh-huh. The problem with that is, uh, they weren't, what isn't, you know what, what isn't included in cash flow? Um, I, I know what you're going to say. Say options, right? Stock, share share, share options. Stock, um, pay. Yeah. So if you're an employee at Alassian, instead of giving $500,000, I'm going to give you $200,000 and 300 grand worth of options yeah. in the price on Black Skulls. What Alassian, and everybody 
in the US does is we're going to um, have an EBITDA number and we're going to ignore these options. God knows. I don't know how the American accounting standards allow this, incidentally, but for, for, for cash flow purposes, we're going to ignore I this. I think they reported non-GAAP accounting anyway when they were doing it, by the did. way. So yeah. I don't think it allowed it, but yeah. they can report whatever they want as long as they report GAAP. And people words. believe it. I guess it's up to the people who believe it. Uh, so they were really losing money. They had this weird $400 million derivative thing last year, which is hard to understand. But regardless, they weren't really cash flow positive because you've got, if you valued the options at, at some sort of rational valuation. So they were, they were losing money and they weren't growing that much. If you look at the, the growth quarter on quarter, the number of new customers they got each quarter was less than the customer was before. So the growth was slowing. So if you look at what was really good about that business mm-hmm. is they had a great product-led growth. They, yeah, so it just kept growing. I they agree. spent nothing. Remember they, they used to boast about not spending nothing on yes. marketing. They had no salespeople. That was their boast. Not a single salesperson. Yep. And now they were spending heaps on marketing, but the growth was slowing. Yeah. So when you see a business that's doing that, what are your initial, what are your sort of thoughts? So I, so I'm going to make sure we disagree on a few points. <laughs> I think actually directionally we probably agree. So I would break Atlassian into three separate discussion points, which yeah. I won't discuss all, yeah. but I'll, I'll tell you what they are. One is the product itself. And so I think you hit the nail on the head. Like it was a product at just the right time with good quality execution. If you talk to developers, they've all got, they all whine about the product and they tell what they don't like about it. It doesn't matter. Like it's very sticky. It fulfilled a need that was there. It reminds me a bit of, you know, the guys that did um, uh, a cloud guru is oh, yeah. it's called the it Cronenberg yeah those like love two lovely lovely yeah. brothers humble um, and they sold it for two billion dollars yeah. because they managed to build something that taught that people incredible. how to qualify for cloud uh, <laughs> accreditation yeah I mean, that's good timing right yeah and so I think a lot of it's timing and I think Atlassian really nailed the timing and they nailed the execution so product I think is good yeah and it doesn't matter if it's the best or not the best like it's yeah. good enough cash so we're going to disagree on cash and we'll come back to that and yeah. growth okay. I think the the lot the it looks like the growth may have slowed. It might be an aberration, although when they came out, like I think Cannon Brooks came out and said, it's true, like the growth has slowed and we're still in a good competitive position, but there's headwinds, yeah. which means the growth has slowed. Yeah. I think that's problematic, okay? Like you don't get these valuations. One of the amazing things about Atlassian is no matter how big it got, it just kept growing at these crazy rates. Yeah. I think maybe gravity has caught up to them a bit. It was on a 33 times sales multiple. Uh, Should have. <laughs> let's not worry about the valuation for a second, yeah. right? And so, but- you have to admit, like, the growth was amazing. I feel differently about cash. So I love cash. <laughs> and so if you say to me, we're going to pay executives in stock and we're going to pocket cash, I especially love it if you paid as dividends to shareholders, by yep. the way, um, then my view on that is um, to have a very simplified comment. The way that stock-based compensation is treated is terrible and makes no sense because let's say you have 100 shares in a business and I don't know, it makes half a million dollars and you go and give away three shares and they're valued at a million dollars by Black Shoals. Yeah. It's a volatile company, let's yeah. say, right? <laughs> what you've got now is a business that is losing half a million dollars. But yeah. it's not. It's making the same half a mil. Shareholders have just been diluted by 3% as a result. Yeah. And then you'll say, yeah, but it's not factoring in all of the real costs of running the business. And my view is, if you kept diluting a business by 3%, I'm just picking a random number, ad infinitum, 
And the cons- the consequence of that was producing a hundred plus million dollars a year of free cash where the speed of the growth of the business was overtaking the dilution. I personally don't have an issue with that. I think there's a much bigger issue in trying to resolve how to treat stock-based compensation because no one can believe in EBITDA, no one can believe in EBIT, like no one can believe any of this anymore. Um, I I think the bigger issue with the lesson is this. So I guess before we move on, just on that point, I I agree with you on the cash point. If you're you're growing fast in dilution, that makes sense. Then the problem that Atlassian now has, and Atlassian's not alone in this, but we're talking about them, so let's talk about is let's say you're paying all these great tech people 100 million bucks worth of options a year, yeah. and your share price is going up, they love it. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm getting 100, I'm really getting 300 because yes. that's going through X. So that's, what, that's what everybody's thinking, obviously, because yes. you wouldn't take, you're not going to take options over cash unless you think you're going to double at Unless least. you're a true believer in the true share believer. price so you going think up, that, right? You think there's, there's a risk of okay. return. I'd rather have cash than options, but if the option's going to 2X, tax better, better for tax, there's a whole bunch of reasons why yep. you should do it. And Great. that's why it's actually hard when you get to scale, because you can't. You lose that growth, but yeah. So all these Alaskan guys are thinking, guys and girls are thinking, oh, this is great. I'm getting, I'm getting options. They're really going to be. I'm getting 100 grand worth of options. They're really worth 200 grand. Yeah. I'm making 500 grand, not 400. But uh-huh. everybody's happy. Problem is, the share price is now dropped below what it was five years ago. So yeah. everybody who's everybody's got short this four year vesting period. Everybody's got options. In the last four years is underwater. The options are probably not all, maybe not 100 but probably most of them are worthless now so you've got a bunch of people who have worthless options who who have valued them ahead at millions of dollars and now got zero so there's two issues one you've got to make these guys good or they're all gonna leave and get pretty pissed understandably two you've got a much higher no one's gonna believe you anymore because you're not your ex-growth yeah. so your yeah. share price is going down so next time you can't get away with this options thing anymore you've got to start paying so instead of 200k cash 200k options you've got to pay you 500k pay cash, right? cash well the flip side is though that it's easier to recruit people fresh because the share price is so low <laughs> that when you give them options, they're like, wow. Like, but do you, but do you, does anybody believe I their options I think so. Value? I think you can go through that a few times before people stop believing. And it depends how evangelical the founders are. Yeah. But, I, you know, I, like, so I agree with you about all of that. Like, what you're basically, so I think all business is a game. <laughs> and so what you're saying is that they just turned over a card saying, all of your staff want to quit. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's the card they just turned over, yeah. right? And so... You know, it's not entirely true, but they have to figure out a way throughout. Yeah, I think that's called running the gauntlet of playing with options. So I don't, like, I agree with that, but I've got less of an issue with paying um, executives with a chunk of, you know, shares oh, so or Just to be clear, I, I love using it. I think it's a lines. And I'm, I'd rather have the cash. I, I'd, I'm less about rather having the cash. I'm more, let's say we eventually sell our business and hopefully get a great valuation one day. I want. I think you want to share it with people who made it happen. Agreed. So, so I think that's that's probably the, you, you get, and you get a line along the way and you get to share the, the spoils with people who deserve it. I think that's why I think it's great. And I, we had we had a funding round last year and people who had vested uh, equity was able to, we were able to sell into that and reap significant money and, yes, and buy a house, whatever. So that, I think that's a great reason. I think the cash thing is, is good as well. I think it does it can backfire. And, so what uh, they should do is fix the way they report these things and then the whole industry won't have to have two sets of books you know, cash costs, non-cash costs, right? But I think the bigger issue with the lesson, I think this is what you should hammer them about. Basically, the, maybe the mistake you made four years ago, it's the mistake I've seen fun, very smart fund managers make on Tesla, for example. Mm-hmm. You can't bet against a religion. <laughs> and so Atlassian became a religion. Yeah. And it had true believers. And, you know, if you utter anything against a religion, then you know what the true believers do. It's like, yeah. it's sacrilegious, you're an apostate. <laughs> and so I think the challenge that these kind of, and I, I wouldn't say, you know, we were, I would like to create a business that's a religion. It's, it's very handy. Like, I would like to be the pope of my own business religion. It's a great way to make money, especially if you're selling down every week or whatever Absolutely, it is. Absolutely, every day. Into, every day, yeah. right, into it. But, um, but the thing is that um, eventually, like, 
it all comes back down to earth. And so I think that this is what's happening. It's not just Atlassian, right? Like, mm. Tesla is suffering a bit, a bit of the same fate. Like, some of the religion is dissipating yep. and people are realising it's not actually a religion and there's no gods. Far it's just the business. Far better than Tesla. Uh, but Tesla actually has some pretty decent earnings. I'm not sure how dodgy I haven't looked at that closely at Tesla, but it makes money and it's growing its profit and people love the product. The other thing between Tesla and Atlassian is I, I love my Tesla. I'm not sure. People love Teslas, yes. regardless of what you think of Elon Musk and he's a whole different kettle of fish, but people love, very few people hate their Tesla. Very few. Agreed. I don't know anyone who likes using Jira. I can think all, every technologist, they hate it. They, they, it's legacy, so you sort of have no, have had no choice, but ultimately... I agree, but the flip side is my measure of a business is le- in that kind of category is less about do you love it. Like maybe people love Slack, but it's less mm, about yeah, do you yeah. love it and more about how would your customer base respond if you told them you were turning it off tomorrow? And basically there would just be riots through Silicon Valley if at last instant they were well, turning their software off tomorrow. I don't know if they – I actually don't think they would be. I think they'd be – I think they'd be, oh, a bit of, I've got to do a bit more work and trans, transport this to someone. But I don't know, Monday or whoever the competitors are will probably yeah. have a way to suck in the data and uh, – uh, there's ways to transfer that would, products. That, that, would, that to me would be interesting, right? But no, I, like the my comparison of Tesla and Atlassian and, and – like Apple and Google are in the same category. Google a bit out of favour now. Apple has just been amazing how it's resisted yep. the downward trend just of hating big tech. Like they're it's not an hated. Incredible product. Yeah. I think it's, the product is. So, I think that last year I saw. I don't know if this is correct. Could be wrong, but I saw it last year had a NPS of negative two, and I, I love NPS. I think it's a key driver of business. We work super hard at NPS. Negative two. Negative two. I'm surprised by that. Have you confluences like? Terrible. Yeah. Uh, Jury's have to use Hipmunk, they, they shard. Um, I think if you look at product, and then you've got Mike who's doing other things. He's, I don't think he's involved in business at all. Yeah. Scott, who seems relatively involved, but uh, they've got a CFO who's new, a CTO who's both who's new. There's there's some tail, sorry, some, some headwinds there that mm-hmm. uh, it's going to take some pretty impressive sort of management by Scott to get out of this when you've got the whole options tsunami coming about to hit them, which a lo- which lots of companies are facing. I mean, absolutely. Like so. It feels like I'm a defender of Atlassian. What I think is this. You know, a long time ago, a guy whose name just escapes me, you'll probably remember his name. He, st- he did Fox, t- Kim Williams. So hey. I was sitting next to Kim Williams. Yeah. And, uh, and I, don't, I don't really know him. I, I mean, like once, so I spent a dinner sitting next yeah. to him and talking to him. And it was a long time ago. And I said to him, um, he wasn't running Foxtel at that stage. I said, how is Foxtel going to survive against uh, Netflix. Yeah. And he said this to me. He said, people always underestimate the power of incumbency. Yeah. It's a great line, right? Absolutely. It's a great line. And so I think, like, Atlassian has this incredible incumbency. That's true. And I think that does make, it's sticky and that makes for a good business and they have to keep innovating, etc. I think the challenge that these businesses face, like, like everything and everyone, if you become a uh, if the perception of you exceeds what you could, what you are reasonably able yeah. to achieve, like no no company can really be a religion, right? It's just a way to employ people and make money. Then when that shine wears off, like it's a painful landing, and I think that that's what Alessian's going through at the moment. I agree with you. Like the valuation was out of control. I don't know if it was the most overvalued business in the world. It might have been, but like there were some strong competitors for that title. And so I think, you know, we're in a world now where probably things are going to swing way too hard the other way and you'll start being able to buy some bargains. Good, well, even good now, if you look at that, it's still worth Australian $40 billion. It's dropped more. No Australian business lost that much value in such a short time. Yeah. Again, arguably it's not their fault. Like you can't, Market's got no control of the share price. Yeah. So, and and I, I, my, my, my view was I think it goes down to about $5 billion. People have criticised that justifiably maybe. But even if it, Atlassian's worth $5 billion, Mike and Scott are two of the best 
Australian entrepreneurs ever, even at $5 billion. Yeah. The fact that it was 99, forget that. This is – not many people create $5 billion of value and, and then invest in Canva and safety culture. So is it worth less than Canva's peak valuation now? Yes. Yeah, because Canva was 55, yeah. Australian. They're – there's like less. I love Canva. I actually prefer. I, I, I've always said I think Canva's worth more than last year. I think the product's incredible. Founders are incredible. Uh, I just care how much money things are going to make. Like when I think about how much something is worth, yeah, I think absolutely. how much money am I as an owner going to get from this business? Yeah. Because like like smaller businesses, like I don't know, let's say a hundred million dollar direct to consumer business. I know. Okay. Well, I can take twenty five million dollars out of that business every year. Yeah. So if you offer me an amount of money, I'll say, okay, well, let's figure that out relative to the 25 yeah. mil I'm taking every year. I pay some tax. Yeah. You're going to pay me more, a more tax effective thing. Yeah. So like, you know, one of the things I think that got lost in the decade of free money <laughs> effectively yeah. is that people forgot that evaluation means like how much is this business going to generate for you as an owner and how much flows. is enough yeah. to give up that opportunity? Yeah. So I think that that, and so I don't know the answer to that Fred Lassian. I don't know, but what I suspect is um, it may not be a bad thing that there's now a focus on demonstrating that it's possible for tech companies to make money. For sure. It's probably a positive. Absolutely. I think we'll, we'll uh, wrap it up. Another fantastic episode with the uh, great Adi Schiff. And thanks for joining us again. <laughs> thanks a lot, Shwabi. This show was produced by Ed Gooden and imaged by Link Kelly. And this has been From Zero Podcast with me, Adam Schwab. Hold up. 